Welcome to the Conquer Your Draft Podcast, where fantasy champions are made. Welcome back to the Conquer Your Draft Fantasy Football Podcast. I'm Josh, and with me today is Mike. How you doing, Mike? Good. Um, this week in my football watching, I will say my the, the sort of early games, the one o'clock games were not impressing me. I felt uh, I felt the first time that I could understand some of Tom Brady's comments, um, but then I felt things picked up a bit. the The afternoon and evening game for Sunday were quite were quite interesting, and I think pretty highly entertaining. So at least it ended on a good note. Yeah, I was going to say, do you owe Mr. Brady an apology for your no. uh, scathing no. remarks last no. week? No, the the guy the the guy is completely off his like off the rails here. Like he's, he's just grasping at straws and he's clearly frustrated and like, Hey, I feel for him. He's going through stuff in his personal life that a hundred percent affects you. Doesn't matter who you are. He is the greatest quarterback of all time. My only point is he's not this year. Like he's just, he's not been great this year. I think last year he had a, he had a good year, but yep, last year he was good. You know, this year he, he missed tra- some parts of training camp. He looks skinny, which is not at the older you get. The, the, you know, the more you sort of lose weight and stuff like it's not uh, skinny in a healthy way. I'm trying to say like he looks battered and bruised and done and finished. And I just think he played one. He should have ended it last year and then it would have gone out on a high note. But because he's addicted to football, he came back and he's having a terrible year. Now, I'm slightly less worried. Like if, if we want to get into like Tom Brady versus Aaron Rodgers, I'm actually slightly less worried about Brady, even though he looks, <laughs> even though he just looks like he's a skeleton. He has weapons around him. Like he has quality, quality offensive players. Whereas I just don't think Aaron Rodgers has much. And I think that Blue of Earth, the like witch doctor he's dating, I think like that's not good for for his health and focus either. So those are my he's, he's dating who? What? A witch doctor whose name is Blue of Earth. Her name, like, that she's changed her name to is Blue of Earth, and she's like a witch. Like, she's oh. like a witch doctor. All right. Well, we'll see how that works out for him through the season, I guess. Exactly. <laughs> so far, not great. <laughs> <laughs> um, well, were you watching the uh, the Carolina Panthers game last week? I weekend? was. I was, yeah. Yeah, yeah I, I checked out the Panthers game. Um, oh, so Robbie Anderson getting... Getting sent to the showers at half, well, halfway through. I gotta, I gotta say, when he starts like yelling at the coach and like, oh, I don't think that's good. Like, I don't think it's gonna work out for you. Like, I, I think there are some players that can get away with that. Like, I think some. I mean, we've seen Brady and Belichick have arguments, you know, and it happens, but they're like two of the greatest of all time. Robbie Anderson is a okay to pretty good wide receiver. <laughs> so yeah, yeah, that was a whole that was heated. Yeah, you've got to be like an elite talent to even have a chance of getting away with it. One hundred. Because your value has to be worth so much on the field that they'll excuse so much on the sidelines, right? But if you're not mm-hmm. doing anything on the field, then you're not going to get any leeway on the sidelines. And, and that of that team too, like with Baker already injured and yeah. the rumors around McCafferty, like you have to think and think outside yourself. Like this is not the moment to to really be selfish and yeah. really act out like that because your team is just falling apart around you. Well, I mean, he doesn't have to worry about that anymore because it's no longer his team anyways. 
That happened so, so fast. That trade happened did. so quickly. <laughs> it did. And I'm, I'm wondering, I think Arizona probably could have gotten him for a lot cheaper if they had just waited for the Panthers to cut him. Right. Because I think that would have been the, the natural course of action um, after a discipline issue like that. And in kind of like the, the rebuilding state they seem to be wanting to go for, I think they probably would have just let Robbie Anderson go and they could have got him for a lot cheaper. But we got the news that uh, Marquise Brown is going to be out for an extended period of time with a foot injury now. So maybe they didn't want to risk not getting him. I think that's probably exactly what happened. Like they they didn't want to risk another team getting the opportunity. And they thought, well, we've lost we've lost something here. Like we're, we're already down uh, a receiver. We need to go out and add one. Here's one that's ready and available. We just have to pay the price so no one else jumps on it because they clearly, they need it. I mean, think about it. Talk about another team that's in some trouble as well. I I really think that that the the Cardinals have to figure themselves out here. Like they they've had not the year they wanted to. They had that kind of weird stuff with Kyle. I don't know if we talked about it on the podcast. I can't remember, but the Kyler Murray contract stuff where he had to do a certain amount of homework. <laughs> like yeah, they had, they had that noise at the beginning of the year. Um, so they they've had a, a kind of rough start. They are getting Hopkins back. Um, and now at least with Robbie Anderson, they can say, well, we did replace, replace Marquise Brown. Like we now could say we have two receivers that you can trust that, that are good. Cause Robbie Brown's not a terrible receiver. He's, Robbie he's Anderson? fine. Rob, sorry, Robbie Anderson. That's what I meant. I keep confusing it because Marquise Brown and Robbie Anderson is not a terrible receiver. He's just not so good that you can scream and yell at your coach and expect to be there, uh, after that. <laughs> yeah. And I mean, there is a historical marked difference between how the Cardinals offense works when Hopkins is on the field and when he's not. Oh, so historically we should see now, obviously we're, we're recording this before the Thursday night game where Hopkins will be playing, but we should see a pretty significant change in pace uh, comparing it to how it's been before. But I mean, there is also the chance that even his return isn't enough to write the ship. Yeah. Yeah. We'll we'll see how that plays out. I agree. It could be more complex. Um, I am just, I, I think it is, it's a good sign if you're on Arizona saying, well, our management clearly believes in us because they were willing to spend draft picks, which are v- very valuable in the NFL, like draft picks even more than I would say in any league. Draft picks in, in the NFL are very, very valuable. So spending those to bring someone in to replace another receiver is basically saying we're not giving up. We're, we're willing to sacrifice because we think our team is better than we've shown. So that shows you a bit of confidence. So hopefully it kind of does turn around because the, you know, the better they are, the more compelling games we get, but you're definitely right. It might not be enough. Um, two new, two essentially new receiver faces to this year. I know Hopkins was on the team last year, but in terms of this year, you're basically getting an influx of, of two kind of new receiver bodies in there. Maybe that makes a difference. Maybe it's not enough. We'll see. Yeah, I, I don't think people should be rushing out to get Robbie Anderson either because no. <laughs> ultimately he's he's now going to be behind Hopkins, obviously. But if uh, Marquise Brown is only out, I think, I think he's only expected to be out for four or five weeks, I think. So after that point, he's going to be going back to the third receiver, right? So mm-hmm. 
I mean, I guess if you if you need him because you had Marquise Brown, then you can keep him on your bench on your lineup uh, to fill that void. But once he comes back, I don't think he'll have any fantasy relevance anymore. Yeah, I think that's fair. Um, and then I wanted to talk about uh, J.K. Dobbins and Devin Singletary from this past weekend because we actually got to see Singletary pretty heavily used with the Bills. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I mean, I was I was wondering because um, you you sent me that text on the weekend that you wanted to to get that conversation going again, and a part of me was thinking like, oh, I wonder what you want to talk about because I, I I'm like, yeah, Singletary played well. I, I didn't know the context of what you want to do. So what what did you kind of want to revisit? Just uh, their their usage. Yeah, because like the last few times that we had spoken about it, the the argument for both of them came down to who was going to be used more. Right. And up until last week, it had seemed that it would be leaning more the J.K. Dobbins side of things um, because Singletary was just not getting that many carries. But now against Kansas City and what was a pretty close game, I mean, Devin Singletary had 17 carries. Mm-hmm. So he was pretty routinely involved and he was also targeted in the passing game four, uh, five times. Yeah. Whereas now J.K. Dobbins left because his knee injury flared back up and he was having some tightness in the knee, which is not a good sign. If you're a J.K. Dobbins manager, you should be concerned um, because he might be looking at a potential setback in that injury that cost him all of last year. But even before that, he had seven carries and he only got 15 yards. Hmm. So he was not doing anything worthwhile before he left that field anyways. Meanwhile, Kenyon Drake came in behind him. He only had 10 carries, but he had 119 yards and a touchdown. Ten very productive carries, yeah. <laughs> yeah, so I'm not even convinced that... Like, I think Dobbins is the better football player, like a natural better football player, but in terms of how they're using him and who is more effective right now, I, I'm thinking it's going to be Kenyon Drake. So yeah. best case scenario, I'm thinking Dobbins and Drake are going to be splitting time. And we also have Gus Edwards coming back, so he's going to filter in because they believe in him. They were going to use him last year until he was also injured. So that whole backfield situation just became a whole lot muddier and the bills seem a lot more comfortable running Singletary now, which I think I said before, you know, they should be, he's not a bad athlete. They just have never wanted to. Yeah. They, they have shown in the past a reluctance um, for whatever reason, or they give up too fast. That's one of the things I've noticed where they'll, you know, give them a couple first down runs, but if it doesn't work out, they like move away um, I just think the Bills are becoming a little more dynamic whenever they're in situations where something isn't working. They do make changes and move, and that's also where Singletary comes in. Like he gets different types of of handoffs, he gets different types of formations, he gets used in the passing game a little bit. So that's kind of was my point. As I, I from last week from us talking about it, was I still think the Bills are just utilizing their offensive tools a little bit better than the Ravens are. Um, Lamar Jackson, you know, aside, their running game has been inconsistent. But can you, But if Drake comes in and he's just <laughs> dominant like that and keeps producing, they're going to keep using him. And then suddenly Dobbins, you know, he comes back. What happens? Like, do you have a split backfield? I agree with you. I, I think Dobbins is, is the better back and is the more established back, and I think you should go with him. But for whatever reason, he's been he's been ineffective this year. Like, it just hasn't worked. 
Yeah, I think ultimately the Ravens this year are going to end up in some sort of a timeshare or a committee backfield between uh, Dobbins, Drake, and Edwards. Hmm. And they might just roll with like, okay, whoever has the hot hand this week. So I think it's going to suck if you're one of their managers and you're not going to know when to when to play them. But with Singletary, if they're going to keep leaning on him, because like the Kansas City game was, as we expected, it was going to be a close game, and it was. Hmm. So as long as buffalo is playing games like that then singletary it looks like should be involved but now the downside is going to be buffalo always has a chance of having a huge blowout game and we've seen he becomes a non-factor in that regard because they don't need any other starters anymore <laughs> yeah so, they take all their starters out pretty early <laughs> like your fourth yeah. quarter they're just not playing yeah. exactly so you might have to save singletary for like when buffalo is expected to have more of a close game and unfortunately bench him when it's expected that they're going to blow out because We've seen him have hardly any fantasy points in the weeks where they have blown out teams, right? Yeah, no, I agree. I think that's the best usage for someone like Singletary is you're using him for matchups or using him when you need to, but he's not necessarily always a starter. Whereas I think in previous years, like last year, I think you could have said, well, Dobbins is probably starting for you most week. He's going to get opportunities, but this year it just hasn't, hasn't worked. Um, And the, you know, the script's kind of flipped a little bit on that. But I agree. Whatever's going to happen with with the backfield and, and with Drake coming in and having such dominant performance, if he does that again, then huh, that, that gives, one, that gives Baltimore another uh, clear weapon. But also, I think it starts to stabilize that offense a bit where they have somebody they can count on who on, what did, what did you say? Like, he had over 100 yards and a touchdown just on, a handful of, of, uh, yeah, 119, 119 yards and a touchdown on 10 carries, 10 carries like that's, that's over, like that's over 10 yards a carry. (laughs) Like he's, he was just dominant. So yeah, I, I agree. I think that that makes, that makes total sense. And, And it's hopefully the, you know, the injury isn't too, too bad, but I can, I can definitely see this is an opportunity for him to step in. And I mean, they play Cleveland this week, so you know they've again these are must, these are must win games for Baltimore. Like they've got to win these games to to stay atop a the standings. So I think, um, yeah, this is his chance. This is his opportunity. Yeah, and Cleveland has a pretty bad run defense, so he might have some room to run this week as well. Um, and to put some just some stats on the, what we were talking about with Singletary. So in the games where Buffalo has won in a blowout. In PPR formats, he has not the highest that he scored out of those three games was eight and point two points. So, and that's including the PPR. Whereas when it's been a closer game, he's been in double digits every time. So, mm. something to watch for if you're a Singletary manager. You know, you you might want to play to those games where they're expected to be in a competitive game rather than the blowout, which is kind of the reverse that you usually want to do with your running backs. Yes. But Hey, I mean, whatever works, I guess. Whatever works, yeah, yeah. And the Bills sometimes they go against uh, the grain there, um, which is what makes them kind of entertaining. But again, we'll see. Like it'll be, it'll be interesting to see, especially this week, what happens because is it is it a one time thing? Um, the Bills have obviously the week off, but the the Ravens are playing, so is it a one time thing, or are they going to be able to utilize Singletary? more often over the coming weeks um is Kenyon drake going to give them something to question about how to use Dob- dobbins when he comes back 
This is why I love football. This is what makes it fascinating (laughs) and not bad football, says Tom Brady. So we'll see. (laughs) All right. We'll get into the review of last week. So we'll start with the quarterbacks. So some of the conquerors from last week were Joe Burrow, who reignited his connection with Jamar Chase in a big way. Um, Matt Ryan, Josh Allen. (laughs) What a game for Matt Ryan. (laughs) That was a surprisingly high scoring game. Like that was a shootout between the two of them. The exact opposite of what their first game was. (laughs) Yeah. I, I was amazed at the final stat line and I was amazed at how um, we'll talk about him in a bit, but Dion Jackson, the third Mm -hmm. string running back was able to do like, wow. If you picked him up, that was smart. If you if you had the courage to play him, yeah, yeah. <laughs> um, some other quarterbacks who did well were Marcus Mariota, Trevor Lawrence still had a good game even though uh, they ended up losing, mm-hmm. and Patrick Mahomes. Uh, some of the busts for the week were uh, Zach Wilson, Justin Herbert. Even though that cool. game went into overtime, it yeah. was a pretty pretty boring game to watch. It, it, that, that Monday night, it was rough. Yeah, um, Cooper Rush, Kenny Pickett, Jacoby Brissett, Andy Dalton, and Geno Smith. Um, I'm I'm interested to see how if Kenny Pickett will be back this week, as he had a concussion in that game last week. Mm-hmm. Um, it seems like from the injury reports that uh, they're expecting him to play, but we've got Kenny Pickett on one side. And Tua on the other, who we'll talk about later, but both of them having concussion issues, and this is a primetime game. So the last thing the NFL wants is for another quarterback to have a concussion when everyone is watching. Yeah, that that's the absolute last thing they need right now. Um, moving on to the running backs. So Deion Jackson, like we just talked about. So if you if you had the courage to start him, you he finished as an RB1 on the week with only 12 carries and 42 yards he scored a touchdown but then in the passing game i mean he had 10 catches for 79 yards so if you're in a ppr league that is gold for you so unfortunately he left early with a quad injury so it could have been even better but i don't i don't know if what jonathan taylor's role is going to be this week if he is going to be back fully healthy if they're going to try to ease him in if they're going to make sure he's 100 percent before they'll play him i don't know yeah so yeah. we might get to see more Deion Jackson this week. We might not. That's unfortunately uh, not news we've got right now. Um, Austin Eckler, again, if you're in PPR, he had a great week. He only had 36 yards and a touchdown on the ground. But again, 10 receptions for 47 yards. So mm. that goes from having nine points to, uh, oh, I guess 14. Oh. 21 points, 24 points, somewhere in that area. I'm not going to do the math right now. <laughs> no, that's but fair. That's a, a big difference. Ramondre Stevenson, Christian McCaffrey, Leonard Fournette, Brees Hall, Kenyon Drake, we already spoke about. Kenneth Walker, he was one of the, the starts last week. He had a 21 carries for 97 yards and a touchdown. So he's just picking up right where Barkley left off, or sorry, right where Rashad Penny left off. Mm-hmm. Um, Saquon Barkley, somehow the Giants are still winning and it seems to be going <laughs> through him. So Absolutely. Another great week for Barkley. Yep. Uh, some of the busts. So Clyde Edwards-Alaire. So as I've said many times this season, the hyper-efficiency could not last. And now we're at two weeks in a row where he has done nothing for you. Mm-hmm. Nine carries for 33 yards in what was a very close game. 
So they're not using him. They've made that very clear. Like the Bills use Singletary a lot in this matchup. You would think that they want to do the same to kind of keep the other offense from uh, having the ball for too long, run out some of the clock, but they weren't leaning on Edwards Alaire. They were leaning on the other guys in the backfield. Yeah. So he's he's becoming a pretty scary start because without that touchdown, you've got nothing. Definitely. Um, Tyler Algier, like I said last week, he the running game is not the same with him. Now, they actually won that game pretty easily, which I think came as a surprise to a lot of people. But even then, he was still not very heavily involved. He had 15 carries for 51 yards. So I think the Falcons running game is probably going to be pretty stagnant until Cordero Patterson can come back from the IR. Yeah, once he's back, that's, you know, again, he's he's a multifaceted running back who can do a bunch of different things. Um, I mean, it. Th- this week obviously was a little different because their offense was really clicking. Um, but in previous weeks, the Falcons, have most of their offense have gone through Patterson. So, yeah, I, I agree with that. Yeah, uh, Raheem Mostert had a, a bad week. James Robinson, J.K. Dobbins, we had to talk about him. Jeff Wilson Jr. on the other side of the uh, Atlanta mm. 49ers game. So he had only 25 yards, and he lost a fumble. So <laughs> if you started him, he gave you half a point. Yeah. <laughs> Brutal. Yeah, that was a little unexpected for that game. Yeah, it was. The, the 49ers are being weird right now. I mean, like, We'll talk about it in a second, but Brandon Ayuk had a great game. I don't think he'll ever do that again this year, but no one else on the 49ers had a good game. Hmm. Um, some wide receiver conquerors, Jamar Chase, we already spoke about, he reignited with Joe Burrow, so he had 132 yards and two touchdowns. Seven, uh, Stephon Diggs, I mean, I don't know if we'll ever have a week where he's not really in here, or at least posting average numbers as long as Josh Allen's throwing him the ball. Yeah, and with with Diggs, it's you know he's having such a good year, and it's been so consistent um, that he's just he's becoming one of those players that you just got to start him. Because oh yeah, you you should always be starting him. Yeah, Yeah, I I can't think of a reason you would not start Diggs, even with Gabe Davis back. We've Mm -hmm. seen now over the past two weeks he can easily support both of them. Now that Davis is back to a hundred percent, yeah. Now. Davis is obviously the scarier play because he seems to be getting a lot less targets, but he's their deep threat. Mm -hmm. So if they don't connect on that, you're probably going to have a bad game with Davis. But I mean, so far in the past two weeks, we've seen them against two decent teams be able to, to score that. Right. Um, And it's not hurting digs overall targets. He's still getting a ton of targets each game. Um, Another deep threat, uh, Tyreek Hill. So he seems to be the only person on the Dolphins offense that's working right now with uh, the, squ- the quarterback troubles that they've been having between Teddy Bridgewater and Skylar Thompson, both leaving in the past two weeks with injuries. Um, we'll see how he does with Tua. S- supposed to be playing Sunday night. We'll see how that works out. Uh, Brandon Ayuk had a great week. Michael Pittman Jr. had a great week. It's kind of surprising. Again, the whole game was surprising that it was a shootout. Mm-hmm. But uh, he, he went back to being Matt Ryan's number one target, and he had 13 receptions for 134 yards. So if you're in a PPR league, that's a great stat line. But even if you're in standard format, 134 yards, that's a pretty good week for your 
wide receiver. Chase Claypool came out of nowhere and decided he wanted to play uh, football again. <laughs> yeah, he finally looked like he has looked in the past. Like he, I think he's a relatively um, talented wide receiver as well. And he just find it's like he woke up. I don't like he just decided. Oh yeah, I'll, I'll I'll play. Yeah, I mean he's always been a bit of a streaky player in terms of mm-hmm. fantasy football. But this past week, I mean, he tied Deontay Johnson for targets and. Yeah. Unlike Johnson, he actually he brought in all of them, so he had a great fantasy week, and he had a touchdown. Mm-hmm. So, I mean, we'll see between Kenny Pickett and Mitch Trubisky who ends up playing Sunday night, and if that's something that they can keep going, I don't think I'm ready to to bank on it. But, I mean, we're at the point we've got bye weeks and injuries all over the place, so he's not he's not the worst gamble that you can have. Um, Juju Smith Schuster had a great play at the start of that game where he was just bouncing off defenders left and right and got into the end zone. So that helped him have a good fantasy day. So he scored a touchdown on that one. Tyquan Thornton. So I think he is like the fourth different Patriots receiver to have a, a top finish. Um, and most of his production actually came running the ball. He had three carries for 16 yards and a rushing touchdown. Uh, some busts. So both DK Metcalf and Tyler Lockett, Michael yeah. Gallup, DJ Moore, Romeo Dobbs, and George Pickens. Yeah, that was definitely a tough game for for Seattle. Like they just didn't have it going. Which in the past, I mean, I've I've noticed that they spread the ball out quite a bit. So sometimes you do get kind of the streaky points from either of those receivers. But n- like nobody had a really good game for them. Like they just couldn't make their offense work this week. No, I mean, that was just a brutal game to watch in general between uh, between the Cardinals and the Seahawks. I mean, I, I I would put that up there with some of the Thursday night games that we've had. You know, like offense is just not able to do anything. But yeah. Arizona's secondary has actually been very good, um, especially Byron Murphy Jr. He has been amazing at shutting down the opposing team's wide receiver one, which would have been Metcalf. Um, so I'm kind of surprised that Lockett wasn't able to get anything done, but I, I think, like you said, it just uh, that just goes off of how poorly they were functioning as an offense in general. Definitely. And we'll move on to tight ends. So Mike Gesicki, Mark Andrews, Travis Kelsey, Robert Tunyon, George Kittle, and Hunter Henry all had big weeks. A better week, I think, for tight ends this week overall than we've seen. Like, a couple of them obviously didn't have great weeks, but, like, I'm just noticing, like, you're naming more people, um, and it looks like tight ends are starting to finally kind of get into their offenses a bit more. Yeah, especially in the PPR format, it was a pretty good week for tight ends. A lot of them were bringing in a lot more than normal receptions, um, or they were getting a touchdown, which is obviously a lot less predictable, but you always like to see it with your tight end. Mm-hmm. Um, now some of the busts. So Taysom Hill, who is just a, you are rolling the dice whenever you're starting him. Mm-hmm. Uh, Dallas Goddard, Tyler Conklin. Those are guys who we've seen get a lot of targets, but unfortunately this past week, they weren't able to bring them in. Uh, Tyler Higby, same thing. Will Disley. No, like we said that Will Disley is just part of the Seahawks offense. So, he's really only going to be involved if this, if their offense is rolling and it wasn't yeah. the week for them. No, definitely not. Um, so speaking of Taysom Hill, uh, Mike and I are playing uh, each other this week in 
fantasy and uh, Mike is going with the Taysom Hill gamble. I am. Yeah, I I am gambling a bit on him. Um, you know, I think I think that he's still going to be utilized in their offense in a variety of ways. He's going to have up and downs. He's going to be streaky. Um, there's a lot of like other reasons why I had to basically go with, uh, with him this week. Um, but I like the matchup against Arizona. I do, because I do think that, um, even though, you know, Arizona's got players coming back, we don't know how they're going to do a short week. They just made a trade. We don't know how much, you know, either Hopkins or Anderson are going to play. I don't even know if I'm sure they've got Anderson in this week. That's a very short week for him. Like that's to kind of get I, I into a new think, offense. I don't think he'll be playing. No, okay. He might not even be play. Yeah. So I just think that like for New Orleans as a team, they probably see this as an opportunity being like Arizona's defense has not been great this year. They've given up a lot. We have an opportunity to do something and Hill will be a big part of that. So I just personally like the matchup. I don't know about him for the rest of the season, but I could see him having a very good game and then using him in the quarterback position, in the tight end position, getting him to do different things. So obviously we're filming, we're uh, recording this, sorry, before the Thursday night football games. This will come out afterwards. So we'll see how these predictions turn out. I said could have been opposite (laughs) for people listening. (laughs) So I kind of have the opposite view of you for this matchup. Um, but I, I think that it could change because Adam Troutman is out, who has been serving as like their receiving tight end. So with mm-hmm. him out, maybe Hill will move into a more traditional tight end role and will be yeah. catching the ball because he has not been targeted at all lately. They've just been exclusively using him as a running back, really, out of the tight end position or mm-hmm. as a, a quarterback on a handful of snaps. So... I don't know if who Jameis Winston or Andy Dalton are going to play. They both had back issues all week, so we'll see which one of them plays. I think if it's Jameis, we probably won't see very much out of Taysom Hill in the backfield for a quarterback, I mean. If it's Andy Dalton, we'll probably see more. But I, I think the factor, the X factor there will be whether or not they use him as a receiving tight end or just for the rushing because right. Alvin Kamara has been used a lot more lately. And he's been effective. So I don't think they'll lean on him very much in the run game. So if they're not going to use him in the passing game, I think that he won't pan out very well. But we shall see tonight how it goes. Yeah, end of this episode, we're going to have a quick conversation about our matchup this week. And I'm going to tell our uh, our listeners a couple things about my mindset for it. But um, <laughs> at, at the, yeah, at the end of the day, I get what you're saying. I just think when... When the offense is, is cooking and Thursdays are, are not obviously a good offensive day, but I just think if you're New Orleans, you, if you cannot get up and going for this game, then you don't deserve to be in professional like football or professional sports because this is your opportunity. Arizona, short week, just made a big trade. One receiver out, one receiver coming in. Their defense have not been playing well. This is your chance for the Saints to like win a big game, get some momentum, you know, but who knows? Who knows what'll what'll happen because it's a Thursday nighter. But I think it's worth the risk. Yeah, I mean, well, like we've talked about with the tight end position, unless you have one of the top two, it's it's, it's always a, a risk, risk, right? No matter what. <laughs> yes, definitely. <laughs> yeah. Um, so we'll we'll move on to our starts and sits for the week, and then we'll come mm-hmm. back to our matchup at the end. Sounds uh, good. 
So we'll start with quarterbacks. So this week starts at quarterback are Dak Prescott, Derek Carr, and Tua Tagovailoa. Okay, so I wanted to talk about both Dak and Tua um, for a couple different reasons because I also see them paralleling themselves a little bit. I know their injuries were different, but they are both coming off of serious injuries. Dak has a injury history. And Tua, the type of injury like concussions, once you have one, it becomes easier to get more. I would just be worried about starting either of these quarterbacks because they're coming off of injuries. But tell me what you like about about them and their matchups and, and what you see from them this week. All right. So I'll start with Tua since we've already touched on him a little bit. So with concussion, I mean, once, once that's healed it's not really affecting you anymore, right? It's not like an ankle or a shoulder where, you know, you're going to have some residual pain that might limit your ability. Like once you've cleared a concussion protocol mentally, you should be back to full strength and the rest of your body's fine. So in terms of his playing, they've obviously had to be extremely careful with them because they, they put him back in a game where they shouldn't have and made the mm-hmm. situation so much worse for, and put his life in jeopardy. They did, so yeah. now they've had to be, I'm sure they've had to convince everyone above and beyond that he is actually legitimately ready to play. And and like we spoke about before, this is the Sunday night matchup. So everyone is going to be watching. And the last thing the NFL needs is for him to go out there and still show signs that he's suffering from a concussion. Oh, they'll, they'll be in big trouble. Like, they oh, exactly. Big yeah. trouble if that happens. Absolutely. Exactly. So, so the fact that they're committing to him playing suggests to me that he is truly ready because I don't think they would be that reckless with with his health and with the wrath of the league that would come from if he isn't. Um, You're absolutely right. There is always the chance that he could get another concussion, but that's not something you can prepare for, right? I mean, he could go, he could get hit on the first hit and get a concussion, or he could go the rest of the season and not get another one. But I think he's too good of a player, and this is too good of a matchup to avoid playing him. Hmm. Because um, the Steelers' defense has not been what it has been in the past years because of all the injuries that they have had. And the Dolphins need something to reignite this offense because they have been struggling with Teddy Bridgewater and Skylar Thompson. Um, mm-hmm. They've been very one-dimensional. Like, their run game has not worked. Their passing game, ty- like I said, Tyreek Hill has been the only one really involved. So I think if you have to, uh, unless you have a really good other option, I think you need to start him this week and... Maybe don't watch the game because you're probably going to be cringing every time he gets hit, hoping that he's going to get back up. Um, but I, I think outside of that, he should be a good starter and should be back to normal. Mm-hmm. As for Dak, so they've been very they've been on the later end of the recovery period, which is what we expected. I, I mean, I I never believed for a second that he would be back at week four or anything like that, like him and Jerry Jones were kind of saying at the start with this kind of injury. We saw it last year with Russell Wilson. If you come back too early, it's just going to keep bothering you until you take the time off and rest. So I think he's been out for six weeks now. He should have a, have basically all of the function back and be able to throw the ball properly. That would practice reports this week. They've been saying that he's looked back to normal. He's throwing the ball with some zip, I think was their exact words. So he should be able to perform well in this game. And the biggest thing here is that even if Dak is only playing at 60%, 75%, it's the Detroit Lions. Their defense has been awful. They're just not even out there trying. It's, it's, you're, you're just playing Madden against them. <laughs> so 
even if he's not at 100%, it's still a great matchup for him, and I would still be willing to start him because of how easy it is to exploit the Lions defense. I would even consider starting Cooper Rush this week if they change their mind. They're like, hey, we're actually going to put Cooper Rush out because I just think the matchup is too good to avoid starting them. And you're going to see a few Cowboys in the starts um, at different positions, and that's why. It's just because the matchup is so good. Yeah, I think that's fair. Um, So we'll go on to running backs. Um, Leonard Fournette, Ezekiel Elliott, Saquon Barkley, and Ramondre Stevenson. Yeah, so the others make some sense to me. I mean, talk a little bit about Leonard Fournette because the struggles of Tampa, like they've been a pretty streaky team. So talk to me a little bit about Fournette. So they have been streaky, but Leonard Fournette has actually been the one fantasy piece that has really been working for them so far this year. It's not been pretty to watch, but like last week they lost to the Steelers. Leonard Fournette was the only one on the team who did anything worthwhile. <laughs> yeah. Um, but I mean, in the past, well, over the past six weeks, he's only had one game in PPR formats where he's been below double digits. And in the past two weeks, he's had 58 fantasy points over the past two weeks combined. So he is basically the only thing that's carrying this offense. So hopefully they can sort out what's going on between Brady and the receivers and the offensive line. But they're taking on a very weak Carolina Panthers team. They should be playing with a lead throughout this one because of the issues that Carolina has been having. And that should give Fournette plenty of carries against them. And based on what we've seen, I mean, even when they're losing, they're willing to give him the ball. So even if it ends up being a closer game than we're expecting, he should still be heavily involved. And I just don't see Carolina stopping him. Right, right. Um, Some wide receiver starts for the week. T. Higgins, Michael Pittman Jr., and C.D. Lamb. Yeah, okay, talk about T. Higgins. So Higgins is back to full strength now, and so with that, he should be resuming his significant role in the Bengals' offense. So he's always been the 1B to Jamar Chase's 1A, and Burrow has been able to support both of them. So this week, they're going up against the Falcons' defense, who just let Brandon Ayuk score two touchdowns and limited Debo Samuel to not very much yardage. Mm. Um, so I think that bodes well for T Higgins if they can sort of replicate it. Cause I think the Falcons are going to have to focus on Jamar chase. Cause we saw last week, what happens if you let him get free, he yeah. will obliterate you. Yeah. So I think they're going to be hyper focusing on Jamar chase. And I think that a fully healthy T Higgins should be able to fully exploit that. Um, especially in a PPR format, he is going to get a lot of those second look passes and, and he's a very talented player, so he also has the ability to, if he gets open, he is going to house it. So I think uh, with this matchup, I think they've got a pretty good chance of getting Higgins the ball a lot more than we saw last week. Because I, I think last week they were still easing him into it, coming off that injury, and they want to make sure they didn't push it too hard. Right, so this is the week that they'll fully kind of utilize him. That's what I'm seeing out of their practice reports and the injury reports. They've been saying that there were no setbacks. There was nothing of concern from the limited involvement last week. And everything throughout practice so far this week has looked good. So I think he's ready to roll and he should go back to being uh, heavily involved like he has been. Yeah. So some tight end starts for the week are uh, David Njoku, Daniel Bellinger, and Hayden Hurst. Um, I have never seen Daniel Bellinger catch a ball or play a snap of football. I don't know who that is. So why don't you talk to me about him? (laughs) 
So Daniel Bellinger is the tight end for the New York Giants. Um, and over the past two weeks in PPR formats, he's been, he's broken double digits um, thanks to back-to-back touchdowns. Um, he has a very scary target share. I will 100% admit, like, I, I think the most receptions he's had in a week has been five. And that was, his average is closer to three. But he's very dependable. He's only had two dropped passes on the season. So he's clearly not Daniel Jones's favorite target, but he's established himself as someone that the Giants can trust if they need a, a reception. And with back-to-back touchdown weeks, he is becoming more of a factor in uh, in their offense. And this week they're going up against the Jacksonville defense who were just demolished by uh, the Indianapolis Colts offense. So I think the Giants should have no problem moving the ball. And he he's a, good, he's a dart throw at the tight end position. I mean, like we say every week, if you don't have one of the top guys, you're you're throwing you're you're rolling the dice for something. And mm. I think I think if you're in the position where you're considering him, why not give it a throw? But uh we'll see. I mean ultimately it, it's gonna just depend on if he gets a touchdown or not, really. Yeah. Never heard of him. He has terrible PR. You should work on that. <laughs> I think if you're on the Giants and you're outside of Saquon Barkley or Daniel Jones, most people don't really pay that much attention at this point. No. <laughs> no, that's fair. <laughs> And for Daniel Jones, it's usually for bad reasons. So, uh, yeah, he doesn't uh, he doesn't exactly uh, get a lot of confidence um, from people. And he, you know, he's been he's been inconsistent. He's been he's been certainly better this year. I still think I don't know what's going on with the Giants, but wow, that's a that they're just rolling with wins. Yeah, like I'm just looking at Daniel Jones's numbers here. He's had one finish over uh, twenty points in standard scoring. Um, in six point scoring, he's had two, so he he has not been a dependable fantasy option. But somehow they're winning games, and I, I fully believe that is just solely because of Barkley. So we'll hopefully Barkley can stay healthy and that train can keep rolling. Yeah, definitely. Um, but we'll move on to our sits for the week. So at quarterback, we've got Zach Wilson, PJ Walker, Jared Goff, and Justin Fields. Yeah, I mean. Of course, Fields. Um, but to me, like Jared Goff, I can see where I think you're headed because like Dallas certainly does have a good defense. I just think that Detroit has proven they can they can offensively compete with a lot of teams. You just don't think that's going to happen? No. And the reason that I don't is because, like you said, defense for the Cowboys is their strong suit, especially in their mm. secondary. Mm-hmm. And if, if you watched the Cowboys Eagles game, they had a perfectly designed offensive scheme that basically put the defense every down. They had to focus on the running back, Jalen Hurts and a wide receiver. And there would always be one of the three open. So that's where they would go. Um, and, and they were able to run that because Hurts can run the ball so effectively that the defense has to respect it. Right. Goff, Goff doesn't have that ability. Goff is a pocket passer. So I think that they're going to be able to just pin him in the pocket and they're going to be pressuring him all game. And I don't know that he is going to be able to uh, to have the time to really get those options downfield, like with Amon Ross St. Brown and Josh Reynolds or TJ Hawkinson, because that's what we saw with the Patriots. They just smothered them and he could do nothing. Right. And un- unfortunately for the Lions, I know they're coming off the bye week and they've had some time to kind of let their guys get healthy but they're walking right back into a very terrible matchup. So he might have a good fantasy day because 
they're just playing catch up so much that he's just airing the ball out and somebody keeps <laughs> catching it. But I, I think it's going to be very hard for him to do well for fantasy this week because of that defensive matchup. Yeah, that's a fair point. So running backs for the week, um, Raheem Mostert, David Montgomery, and Jeff Wilson Jr. I mean, um, considering the rough week that Jeff Wilson had, I can understand that. What, what do you think is going on with Montgomery? Do you think that they Chicago's just, are they done? <laughs> are they finished? <laughs> I mean, I'd, I'll be surprised if, if uh, they're even close to being relevant in their division, let alone <laughs> in the league by the end of the season. Yeah. Um, but for, for Montgomery, it's a combination of, there's been some reports coming out this week that they want to get Herbert more involved because they both finished with similar stat lines on way different carry amounts last week. So Herbert was the more electric option. Now that was boosted because he had one just massive run. Um, so the stat line can be a little deceiving there, but he's had that big play a few times where David Montgomery hasn't. Mm. Uh, the other problem though is the matchup. I mean, I, I'm a huge fan of David Montgomery. I think he's a great football player and usually a great fantasy option, but this week they're going up against the Patriots and the Patriots just finished limiting Nick Chubb and Kareem Hunt combined, wow. combined for 9.2 fantasy points in PPR formats. So between even if you could start both of them at one running back slot in a PPR league, you still got next to nothing from them. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. So we can expect the Bears to be playing from behind with how the Patriots have been playing and the fact that they have Justin Fields manning the helm. So that's going to cap Montgomery's carries, and they've clearly shown they know who the opposing team's uh, best options are, and the Patriots are able to shut them down because the Browns' rushing game is way stronger than the Bears, and they weren't able to do anything. So I I, I understand if you have to start Montgomery just because of uh, who he is and who your other options would be, but if you do have two other good running back options and a couple of wide receivers that are having a good matchup, I would maybe give Montgomery the week off this week. Yeah. Yeah. So wide receivers, Brandon cooks, Mike Williams and DJ Moore. Okay. Mike Williams, what's happening with the chargers here? That's honestly a great question. I don't know what's <laughs> happening with the chargers. Um, they finally realized that Austin Eckler is the best part of their offense and they should lean on him, which is mm-hmm. great because he's had six touchdowns over the past, I think three weeks or two weeks, whatever it's been. Um, so great if you have Eckler, but everyone outside of, uh, Eckler seems to have been slowly getting worse. Like, like we talked about earlier, the, the Monday night game was terrible to watch. It was, it was slow, went into overtime and it was just an all over disappointing game but Justin Herbert seemed to have a really hard time passing. Yeah. Uh, Now the Broncos defense is very good uh, and they've been getting better as the season goes on. So that might be a a factor in it, but he's just not been very accurate this year and he seems to be struggling to consistently hit these guys. And now they're going up against the Seahawks defense who were able to limit the Cardinals offense to three points total. Um, The Cardinals defense was the only was the only touchdown off of a fumble, I believe. So maybe that speaks more to the Cardinals offense than it does to the Seahawks defense. But if the Seahawks defense can put up a pretty stout front, then I think the Chargers are going to have to lean on the ground game again. Mm. And that's going to reduce Herbert's passing ability like we saw last week. And I'm not sure if Keenan Allen is expected to come back for this game or not. 
if he does, then obviously that's going to cut down on Mike Williams targets as well. So there's, there's a lot of factors at play here that just don't bode well for Mike Williams. And unfortunately, a lot of them are out of his control because yeah. I'm a big fan of Mike Williams as well. I know I just said that with Dave Montgomery as well, but I think he is a very strong fantasy player and he's kind of like one of those Tyreek Hill types. He can have a big boom week, but he also has the bust weeks. And I think we're leaning towards him having a bust week this week just because of everything that's going on in this game. Yeah, no, I think you definitely there. That's too many factors. That's just one too many things to to make me confident in starting him. Like if if I had him, I would be like, mm, that's that's way too many reasons. Yeah, I mean, maybe if it comes out that Keenan Allen is for sure not going to start, then you can reconsider and you might not have a better option. But I think if Keenan Allen is in and you have someone else at wide receiver, I would go with them over Mike Williams this week. Yeah. And finally, at tight ends, we've got TJ Hawkinson, the Denver Broncos tight end unit as a whole, and Evan Ingram. Yeah, those Broncos. Um, I mean, I guess you kind of explained a bit what you think's going on with Detroit, but I mean, you just think Hawkinson's not going to be relevant at all? Yeah, and it kind of goes farther than just the matchup, because outside of that one crazy game where Hawkinson was heavily involved... Uh, he has not really done anything for you for fantasy. I mean, he's not been having a good season outside of that one game. Mm. Um, even in PPR formats, he's, I don't know. I don't know if it's just Goff doesn't like to throw it to the tight end, what the deal is, but uh, he has had in PPR formats, he's only had two weeks where he's broken the double digit mark. And one of them was obviously the crazy game. And mm. the other one was week three against Minnesota. So yeah. Minnesota's defense is not very scary. And the Seahawks, I mean, Jared Goff just had no one else to throw it to when they played them. So since then, though, he's he had four targets, one reception against New England. And I think we're going to expect similar numbers from him this week against a tough Dallas defense. Um, for the Denver Broncos tight ends, though, I don't think you should be starting any of them, but I would pay attention to them. Because Greg Dolchich uh, was, I don't know if I said his last name right or not, but uh, he was wide open last week for uh, Russell Wilson. And if that was his first game back from an injury, actually, and he's a rookie. So I, th- I believe that was his first NFL game. Mm. Um, so Russell Wilson trusted him to throw the ball to in his, the first half of his first NFL game. So if, if he does well this week and he establishes himself as the top tight end, then that would be someone that I would maybe pay attention to down the line. But with how the how the Broncos offense has been going lately, I would definitely wait to see it before you commit to him. Yeah, yeah, I think that's fair. All right, so that is it for our starts and sits for this week, Mike. Yeah, week uh, week six is going to be an interesting one. I'm very week fascinated seven. to see. Week seven, yes. No, you're right, week seven. Jeez, already week seven. I know uh, the the season is just flying by as far as I'm concerned, but yeah, it's um, it's going to be really interesting to see um, as teams I think will start to really separate themselves now. Um, I think you're, I mean, the parity in the league's been been good, but I think you're going to see some teams finally start defining defining who they are in the next couple of weeks, especially with the buys starting, people getting that rest. It's always interesting. Will will you come back with a lot of energy or will you be flat? And, and I've seen both happen many, many yeah. times. Oh, yeah. 
Um, I want to talk about our matchup a bit. All um, right. Because, you know, the, we're, we're playing in, in fantasy football this week, and that's kind of – I know that's that's a real big moment for you. Um, I got to tell you, though, don't get excited um, <laughs> for many reasons. I mean, you have already, already had this conversation where, you know, I've got significant players on buys. You have what normally would be your starting defense and starting quarterback on buys. So that already kind of limits things down. But I almost, almost – did not and wasn't going to dress a team this like a full team this week. Almost. <laughs> um, reason being, I will not. I refuse, refuse to sacrifice an injured player who I know is going to come back, a good player who I know has gotten me points, and the reasons why I've been successful so far. I will not sacrifice one of them to get t- twelve more points in a game. I'm probably going to lose anyway. I'm here to win. I don't care about this week. I really don't like I'm, I've got most of my backups and I'm not going to beat you. It's not it's not even going to be a close week. I would need three players minimum to have insane weeks to even have a chance to beat you. Um, and then I would need like half your team to to get lost on the way to the stadium. Like it's not <laughs> it's not going to be a good week for me. And I know that I almost didn't start a defense and I almost didn't start a flex. I was able to make a couple deals that I was relatively happy with but still my hand was a little bit forced and there were there was a line I wasn't going to cross in terms of certain players and I I have been able to put a team together to put out this week that I didn't have to cross the line but if Swift doesn't play or Barkley doesn't play because they're questionable this week I won't have a full team because I'm not dropping anybody else I refuse Uh I was wondering what you were going to do, and then I was obviously going to swoop in and pick up whoever you dropped. So exactly, I was, that's why I'm not dropping. It. I was wondering <laughs> you think I don't what know your. Uh, I was wondering what your plan was, um, and if you were going to start a full team or not. But even with, so I'm just looking at our current rosters here right now, and you were projected to lose by 43 points. Yeah, like I'm um, only projected to get 86. You're projected 119. Now I have been like lower projected every single week. Um, there's a couple of my players that I don't think get very fair projections. So it, it all, it all kind of does depend and like projection points are, are, are what they are. But I have noticed that every single week I have been by at least 20 points, lowerly projected than what I should get. Like I've been 20 points over every single week. Yeah. I've noticed, uh, Dalvin cook and both, uh, Davis and Diggs have been projected pretty low, mm-hmm. um, considering how good they've you know, they've had pretty good seasons, at least points wise. So um, they've done it. I just, it's not, it. Th- this is not a reminiscent matchup of what I think our teams are. Like, again, we, we have a decent league, but I, I honestly, and I, I'm not even just boasting. I'm just honest about this. There's only maybe two or three teams that even remotely worry me. In the, in the league, like even make me go like, oh, that'll be a tough matchup. I think I can beat everybody else pretty easily. I think I'm without a doubt the second best team in our league. So my thought this week was, well, I'm going to lose anyway. So don't sacrifice anything because I'll lose this week. But probably at most, that's going to tie me for second. Because looking at the matchups and stuff, I think, you know, two, two of our four and two teams are playing each other. It's only one of them can win. And then the other four and two team has a bit of a tough matchup and has has their own people who are um, on bye weeks this week. So there's a possibility that at worst, after losing to you, I could be still tied for second, which is kind of 
where I want to be. I want to try to finish at least in second place so I have better playoff matchups because I think you and I are on the road to meet in our Super Bowl for the second year in a row. Yeah, it's starting to look that way. Uh, I mean, crazy things happen once you get to the fantasy playoffs. Oh, but For uh, sure. Playoffs out the window. All you have to do is make the playoffs. And it doesn't yeah. matter about your seeding. Um, yeah, I just... I, I, I know I'm going to lose this week, and I was not willing to sacrifice anyone. What I ended up doing... I was slightly okay with just because in terms of the points this year and the matchups, I was like, ah, this is fine. Like it'll work. And I made one trade, which I preferred. Like I was trying to shop a a, one particular decent player off my roster in trading, but I couldn't get a trade that I was happy with. So here we are. Fair enough. Well, we'll certainly keep you all updated on the outcome of, uh, (laughs) No matter what, even though I've said all this, Josh will be gloating and texting and bothering me about it and riling me up. And I'm just not going to let him, folks. I'm not going to let him. I'm just, I'm telling myself, I'm telling myself this and to psych myself up for this weekend. It doesn't matter. It's okay that I'm going to lose. I'm not going to get mad. And then I'm just going to make you pay in the playoffs. Spoiler alert. He's going to let it get to him. (laughs) Whatever. Whatever. We'll see. We'll see. You know, I, I, I'm going to practice meditation this weekend. You can, you know, you can't help it, even though you're like, there's a glimmer of hope because then I'm saying, well, I have Tua and I have Saquon and I have DeAndre Swift. If the three of them outperform and have great weeks and suddenly I'm closer to, to your points, like suddenly I'm in, uh, you know, I'm in it. So I'm, I'm already getting myself riled up being like, oh, there's a possibility, but I'm trying to tell myself, no, you're just going to lose. And it's fine. You'll fall to five and two, but then you'll be ready to go next week because all your bills and Dalvin Cook will be back and they will be ready to roll after their bye week. Yep. I'm looking forward to it. More than you, obviously. Yes, more more than me. I'm looking forward to our rematch in the Super Bowl, which I think is going to happen. Again, I think there's two other teams other than us that have a real good shot. Like I, I, in terms of watching them week to week, who's consistent, who's using consistent, there are two other teams that I'm looking at in our league that I'm saying, okay, I think this might be a four horse race where there's four of us that are a little bit stronger than everybody else. And then there's a couple teams that are in and around uh, the middle ground that could surprise us. Um, but yeah, it's, it's going to be, it's going to be great. It's going to be a really good playoff. I'm I'm excited because I think our our league's pretty close on a week to week basis, which which makes it so much more fun. Yeah, yeah, it's been pretty good so far. Yeah. All right, Mike. Anything else from you? No, I think that's it. I'm looking forward to the week. Um, I hope that uh, people, you know, I hope that everyone has a has a good week, and certainly just. A quick reminder, I guess, for for people, if you want to write in or be part of this show, make sure to go to conqueredraft.com. Make sure to send us an email. You can go right on the podcast page. You can fill out a quick form um, and you can be part of the week. Send in your your questions and we'll uh, we'll tackle them each week. Yep, absolutely. Send in any questions you got for the upcoming week. Uh, Thanks for coming back to us this week and good luck with your (laughs) matchups. 